USAA is proudly celebrating 100 years of serving the military community. It was a group of soldiers who launched USAA in 1922 by joining together to insure each other's vehicles when no one else would. Since then, USAA has grown to more than 13 million members strong. And through it all, one thing has remained. USAA is still serving the military community and their families. Find out more at USAA.com 100. Up ahead on Veterans Voice, prepare to laugh as we hear from the Vet Voice team. Paul Watson, Chris Lee, and Taylor Chapman all have stories that they live to tell about. Stay tuned. It's coming up next. And hot! Welcome to the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, originating from the Optum Podcast Studio, in partnership with podcast channel sponsor, Medicare Mentors, technology partner, Colorado Computer Support, and supporting partner, the WireNut Home Services. show guys uh my name is paul watson your host of veterans voice podcast and today on the show we have taylor chapman and uh chris lee's back here both the guests today are former green berets well taylor's about to be out here in about a couple days and we're going to do something a little bit different today we're going to just try to reach out to you listeners tell some stories about our time in the military something funny maybe something a little crazy just have a little bit of fun today and we're also going to do something a little bit different we typically have a 30 minute show but today we're just going to kind of let it flow maybe get a little connection with people out there in the in the community chris i heard uh heard you have a story <laughs> to tell uh the about the first time we met um <laughs> let's let the listeners know how uh what the first day in a team rooms uh, and, special forces team rooms and like. now we're best friends <laughs> Uh, so no fooling there I was. Uh, <laughs> just graduated the Q course, and I get orders to Germany. I was pretty stoked about that. Show up to the team room, and I did all the things I was told that I should do, which is keep my mouth shut, stand at parade rest, refer to everybody by their rank. And so that's that's what I did for the first, you know, however long until they allowed me to sit down in a chair. And I'll tell you, as a senior guy on the team, you knocked that out of the park. <laughs> you did a great job. I'm good at not talking. <laughs> <laughs> you even went above and beyond. <laughs> So it was, it was within the first week of me being on the team, again, standing at parade rest, just kind of in the corner. And, and Paul, he kind of saunters up to me, gets about six inches from my face and says, hey, new guy, you're a medic, right? Roger that, Sergeant. All right, grab some rubber gloves and a headlamp and come with me. Roger that, Sergeant. So I, I walk over to my, my, my med bag and I, and I grab a couple items and then continued through through the team room to the back room where Paul had gone. And I'm I'm kind of kind of messing with him at this point and kind of not. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real medical emergency. So I I kind of walked back into our back room there and, and I have my my items with me and I see Paul and he is laying down on a table and his shirt is off and he's peeling his skin back from his navel, his belly button and he's just giggling. And and I was like, man, I I'm getting haze. Something's going on. And he's like, hey, new guy, I've got an ingrown hair in my belly button. I need you to get for me. <laughs> and so, so, so I was like, I, I might need some more supplies. Hold on. So I got like some tongue depressors and and some I don't know forceps or something like that. And and then for like the next twenty minutes, I, I went spelunking in Paul's navel. I have an ab abnormally. Deep navel. I was, like, I was like, Sergeant, can you can you hold the skin back more than than you are? I, I'm like two knuckles deep, and I haven't hit bottom yet. And 
for 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 the next 20 or 30 minutes i'm like sweating profusely partly because like i'm nervous because i'm a new guy i don't want to mess up my first thing that i do on the team and partly because like it's it was kind of an intimate moment. <laughs> so, so, so I'm, I'm digging around in Paul's belly button. He's like, man, it's, it's way down deep in there. And I'm like, Roger, Roger that, Sergeant. And, and I, I, I never found whatever it is that was going on. There was some kind of ingrown hair or something. Um, yeah, it was pretty gross. It, uh, it would pop occasionally. Yeah. But it, it's gone now. You, you did the trick. I did something. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So uh, afterwards, like uh, again, after after about thirty minutes of late start, I I can't find whatever it is that's bothering you. My apologies, and he's like, ah, no worries. And so like I'm again, I need a shower because I just feel dirty at this point. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure Paul smoked a cigarette afterwards. So. That that's 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 how I met Paul, and then ever since then we've been like best buddies. <laughs> yeah, we, we've, through some deployments and through other things, we we yeah. definitely came close, but it, we ripped the bandaid off right away. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> It just goes to show you. I mean, and I'm sure it's the same in infantry combat arms. I don't, maybe a cook, the S1 room doesn't matter. That that first day in there is is definitely nerve wracking. I'm sure the hazing is is. I mean, for lack of a better term, I know that's not really kosher these days, but um, it's different everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess if you keep your composure and you do what you're told, <laughs> you fit right in. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys didn't really mess with me too much. And I was, I was pretty thankful for that. Um, well, and, and you know, I said on the last time you were on the show, is uh, you came in with a with a great attitude, with a lot of knowledge, a lot of confidence, and and, and the whole thing, like you said, you kept your mouth shut and you learned. Yeah. You know, and I think that's super important uh, for anybody that's thinking about joining the military out there. Or about to show up to your first team, like the best thing to do when you show up is keep your mouth shut and your ears open, mm-hmm. because everybody there, even though you might not think they're the most intelligent person, they have more knowledge about the actual situation that you're in. Um, <coughs> and then you have some guys like me that take advantage <laughs> of the situation. So, Taylor, you got anything, uh, anything to add to the, 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 your first day in the team room, or anything that was fun to happen to you? First day in a team room, I don't know. It went pretty well, honestly, but I thought a lot of things were normal that weren't normal that I then found out I was being messed with the entire time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I like cleaning team sergeant boots and things like that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like like Chris was saying, you just show up, keep your mouth shut, and do what you're told. But you come to realize later on that some of those things you're told you're just being messed with. So. Yeah. I uh, I thought I ruined my career day one in the team room. I don't think I've ever told you this. So Doug Lane was my team sergeant. <clears throat> I walk into the team room, just get there, and I'm I'm meeting everybody. And all of a sudden, I, and I hadn't met him. I hadn't met Doug yet. And and he walks in, and he was like, "Hey, are you Paul?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Blah blah blah," telling me this. And I'm like, standing at parade rest, and I was like, uh, "Who are you?" <laughs> Not the right thing to say to the team sergeant day one year in the team room. <laughs> Probably should have done my homework a little bit, but uh, we smoothed it over. But yeah, it was a little, uh, <laughs> little awkward there for a little while. <laughs> but I mean, they, there's just so many, so many crazy things. My one of my craziest stories. I was actually in Thailand, <laughs> and uh, we were training the Thai Rangers and the Thai uh, pararescue guys. Great dudes. They definitely needed some training. We're on the tarmac. We're doing hand and arm signals, and and I didn't have an interpreter with me. I just had one guy that that said very few words, <laughs> very few <laughs> words, 
but they're doing really good with the uh, with hand and arm signals. I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's head into the jungle. See how this works. Well, I found out a few of the words that the the guy knew was don't touch that. <laughs> so as we're walking through the jungle, about every ten feet, he's like, don't touch that. <laughs> and he would like act like he's itching his arm, or he'd like give me the death signal, like you're gonna die if you touch that type of thing. And I was like, this is terrifying. There's tigers. There's cobras. There's there's ever elephants in this jungle, and I am like. I'm the only American, a bunch of ties, and then like guy that says, don't touch that. So we get about 100 yards, and in, 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 after like the 10th time he says it, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Like This, is, this whole place <laughs> is going to kill me. So I turn everybody around, and as soon as we get out, one of the guys starts itching his, his crotch like pretty vigorously. And like I was like, what's wrong with him? What is wrong with this guy? And I'm not kidding you. He pulls out this bright yellow caterpillar. <laughs> out of his pants <laughs> throws it on the ground kid you not guy says don't touch that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm laughing hysterically unfortunately because this guy is not in a great not having a great day <laughs> but it was just like we ended up going back in the jungle for a little while just because i was like all right i gotta do some of the training but man we, it was slow moving i have a lot of respect for those vietnam guys of fighting in that jungle because I mean, you can't see 10 feet, and, and everything wants to kill you. <laughs> I didn't have people shooting at me. Like, <laughs> Taylor, what do you got? What, do you got, like the, what do you got of, of, through your career? You no, got something. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like being in Thailand, that joke would have transferred to downtown. You point at a deceivingly beautiful chick and say, don't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like I got a million stories. I'll tell like a typical story that sums up my entire career, I feel like. But, yeah, I'm retired. Uh 18 Delta, which is Special Forces Medic, but I joined as Explosive Ordnance Disposal, so Army Bomb Squad. I joined when I was 18, and I initially joined, uh, so I went to basic basic training Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and from there, the job training for EODs at Eglin Air Force Base, Florida. So I had a very surreal experience for my first year and a half in the military. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on an Air Force Base, but the dining facilities there's people making pancakes for you and <laughs> eggs sunny side up and sounds glorious yeah the bathrooms <laughs> like people are giving you cologne and stuff like <laughs> yeah it, it's ridiculous um so that was my first impression of being in the military in the army on an air force base so a year and a half later i graduate i get stationed at fort benning georgia so the direct opposite of eglin air force base and uh, that is yin, yin and yang yeah <laughs> Met some really cool people. I had a quick awakening as to what the Army was actually going to be like. Uh, and then did a couple deployments there. Uh, one comes to mind. We had a really cool first sergeant, if he's listening, first sergeant Prather. Really good dude, now retired. Um, but he was kind of a, a wild one. And uh, <laughs> one story comes to mind. I'm, like, still thinking on this deployment, like, the Army's going to be this really nice place, just like the Air Force Base, but it wasn't. So we were on a... <laughs> We, we were on a route clearance uh, mission as EOD, I think day one of three. And uh, yeah, <laughs> at some point you have to go to the bathroom during these missions, right? So time and place, if you can stop, get out, sometimes you can't. So uh, our first sergeant decides to tag along for this mission. And uh, we kind of didn't want him to because we think like, you know, he's going to be watching how we're doing things and things like that. But he wasn't like that at all. He was super it's always nerve wracking when you're that lower enlisted. And yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. hey first heart's coming. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I was an E4 <laughs> specialist at the time, uh, professional shammer. And uh, 
yeah he comes <laughs> he comes along and he starts talking like we're on day one and a half of eating mres and minimal water and he's got to go to the bathroom and we're like what do you mean first oh wait this like, is the first sergeant yeah this is the first sergeant <laughs> that has to go to the bathroom which you guys already know the story that makes it even funnier but this dude he has to go to the bathroom right now and listeners i'm sure you know what that means uh so he starts searching for anything to go to the bathroom in, in his and you mind can't, i mean you're doing a route clearance you can't get out of the vehicle. no you can't get out it's bumpy like you're getting thrown around if you don't have your seatbelt on you're hitting your head like yeah so he's looking for something i'm driving my team leader's in the passenger seat we're just looking at each other like what is this first iron doing he grabs a I, I think it was a wide mouth uh gatorade bottle <laughs> just a regular wider the better <laughs> in in his mind he's like this is not going to be a solid discharge so he's just gonna <laughs> hold it around the vicinity it's gonna pour right in and the best easy way, peasy right <laughs> the best way i can describe this was you set a gatorade bottle on the ground and then you hold a gallon of chocolate milk <laughs> as high as you can, oh, and you try and pour it in the as Gatorade bottle <laughs> in a moving vehicle going down a gravel road. And that's about what the end product looks like. So, Yeah, and then we had to deal with that smell for like two more days. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet you looked at a first sergeant a way different light after that it was crazy because he was just very like open about it. he's like yeah sorry guys uh what else are we doing in here like i can help you guys get the robot ready i'm like first sergeant, you just blew this place up but yeah i feel like that kind of sums up my whole military career i had really high expectations and then i was watching my first sergeant. defecating the back of a humvee is what sums up your military career yeah <laughs> but that's sad yeah my question was he making eye contact with anybody? <laughs> no, it was worse. So we were in an EOD vehicle, which is like two front seats and oh, then yeah. just a big open area in the back <laughs> oh for like God. robots and stuff. And he was facing the back window holding on to the handle. So all we saw was like his back end and him holding this Gatorade bottle. And then the end result. <laughs> and it was like a <laughs> it was like a car accident. I couldn't look away. And I'm driving this up armored vehicle. Yeah, that was a good one, man. Uh, I had a, a something something similar of Man, I, we might have to change the topic after this. This is getting a little, a little gross, but same thing. But I'm just in the National Guard at this time, and we're we're going out to a new camp to go training in the Humvee, and and I'm a E4, and the E7 is the TC, and I was like, Sergeant, I I gotta I gotta go to the bathroom. He's like, number one or number two is number one. He's he's like, we're not pulling over for that. And I was like, all right. He gives me this big water water uh, this Gatorade bottle. And uh, I've been holding it for a long time. As an E4 with an E7 in the car, you don't say anything until you have to say something. Like, it's <laughs> like, and then he's like, here, use this. I was like, all right, cool. Use it. Fill it up almost all the way to the top. And I was like, what do you want me to do with this? And this is back in 2002, guys. So things have changed a little bit. He's like, shuck it out. I don't want it sitting in here. So <laughs> throw it out. We're on the interstate. <laughs> throw it out, not even paying attention. And it hits the guardrail. It explodes. Jeez. And I just see the two cars behind us turn their windshield papers <laughs> on. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> my bad. Uh, I remember my first time showing up for my National Guard unit when I was in E4. Um, and I don't want to talk bad about the National Guard. Maybe it was just this unit because we were chemical specialists. It was a chemical company. Day one, it was his PT test. And I, you know, I just left basic training. I'm scoring 300 on my PT test. I'm probably one of the greatest shapes of my life. And I was like, oh man, I got. I hope I do better than you know a lot of people. 
and the company commander and i swear he was he was a, a cop in omaha nebraska great guy but he i mean he was in his 40s he gets up and he's like all right guys tomorrow morning we have a pt test bright and early he's like you know most of my active duty units i was in i, I would sit up here and say i went 300s from everybody but i've come to realize that we're in the Nebraska National Guard. Everyone, please pass. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is different already. <laughs> so the next day we go out to do the PT test, and I'm, I'm, I'm running pretty quick. And we're on the starting line, and one of my NCOs, former Marine, like bean pole rail thin, thought he was in great shape. He was actually in decent shape. He's chugging a Mountain Dew. <laughs> at the start line of the two mile run. <laughs> I was like, oh no. He doesn't light the cigarette until after we start running. <laughs> he takes off on a dead sprint. I was like, oh man, this guy's gonna crush it. About, I don't know, maybe a quarter mile later, stops, lights a cigarette up, <laughs> smokes a few tracks of it, takes off running again. I mean, the guy still ran like a 14-something. <laughs> it was the wildest thing taking in the world. Smoke <laughs> taking smoke breaks in the two-mile. It was like, it was it, it was definitely a, uh, a culture shock, you know, coming from basic training, getting yeah. to your first unit. Uh, but a lot of fun, man. It's I feel like that guy exists in all ranks in the military. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I had a dude in AIT, and he's, I was like a private. I didn't know anything. But he swore like a six-pack the night before and Newports <laughs> the morning of to open up the lungs. So carb loading and opening the lungs. And I was a young private. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to take a minute here for our sponsors. Optum Colorado. Veterans Voice is produced in the Optum Podcast Studio. Optum Colorado and Mountain View Medical Group, part of Optum, offer 20 clinics throughout Pikes Peak region. Their primary and specialty care doctors provide quality, patient-centered care backed by Optum's industry-leading health services and technology. Optum is dedicated to helping our community live healthier while keeping care affordable. Visit OptumCare.com Colorado to learn more and schedule your appointment today. Medicare Mentors. When it's time to consider your Medicare options, it's time to talk with Medicare Mentors. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, is veteran-owned and a long-standing Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center partner and the Veterans Voice podcast channel provider. More than that, they go above and beyond to make sure that when you need them, they're lending a helping hand. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, always above and beyond. Visit MedicareMentorsLLC.com for more information. All right, we're back. And this is, uh, like I said, listeners, we're... Doing it a little different this time. I just wanted to come in here and have fun. And, uh, yeah, I got my Green Beret buddies in here. It's not going to be like this every time we do an episode like this. So I apologize if this is kind of more Special Forces focused. But we've talked about everything, though. Yeah. Uh, but definitely Army and, and Special Forces heavy. But how many deployments you got, Taylor? Three. Three deployments? Yeah, three. And you got the one? One to Afghanistan. One to Afghanistan. <coughs> Your first time in a combat zone. I'd like to talk to ask both of you guys this. For First sure. time in a combat zone. What when was it like, oh wow, this is this is kind of crazy. <laughs> like did, what what did I just sign myself up for? <laughs> tell me tell me about that first time. Yeah, I got a good story that comes to mind. Uh I had a good buddy, Joe Carruthers, uh, who we went to school together, EOD school together. And uh, we deployed together. He was uh, had a college degree, so he promoted a little bit faster. So he ended up being my team leader, which was pretty cool. Just two buddies, team member, team leader. And uh, EOD school is about a year and a half. So the entire time you're running through practice IED scenarios, you have like your typical yellow jugs you see all over Afghanistan. And you see these things in the school. 
and you kind of become numb to them. And I think that's the point. Just like in SF, we do CQB so much. So when you're actually in a house doing it, it feels like training. Uh, but that's exactly what I felt. So the first time we were ever on a route clearance, engineers found an IED and it became real, real, really real fast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my we go down with the robot. We end up disarming it. My team leader, Joe, pulls it out of the ground. We take it off to the side to dispose of it. And the entire time, we're just kind of talking like, yo, this feels just like school. And there's like 60 pounds of explosives in that jug that would just kill us both instantly. Incinerate. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, they wonder why we're all anxious when we get out. Like, we're used to dealing with that scenario and being numb to it, being okay, being able to make sound decisions while under that kind of stress. But... Yeah, it was definitely weird, and like we went on for nine months that deployment, doing that the whole time, and it never felt real. It felt just like training. So, you know, it, it, like that's that brings up a good point. Like, you know, through through our training and everything we do, like it, let's be honest, we're in the military. Our thing we're best at is complaining, right? Like, <laughs> like so during the full training, you're just like, this is stupid. Yeah. It's never gonna be like this. We're never gonna be in this scenario. But then you get out there, and and, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes, obviously, our training was definitely. You know, ad hoc. It's definitely, you know, you find the bottom of the scenarios pretty quick. But stuff like that, when you, I mean, that's your job, and you have it had been through so many repetitions of that right. that it just seemed like normal. Yeah. So is that good or is that bad? Like, like is that like is that like, hey, I got sixty pounds of explosives yeah. in my hand. I should probably be a little bit more nervous. <laughs> like, if it goes <laughs> off. It's not his problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is definitely true. Yeah, that's their motto: initial success or total failure. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Total failure is. I mean, you might not even feel it. <laughs> yeah, which is an ideal scenario. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, it, it's uh, that's just kind of crazy to think about. Like, is that good or bad? But I think it's. A good thing because it, it clears your mind yeah. like you're not stressed you're not anxious you're not overwhelmed so you don't make dumb decisions because mm-hmm. stress and anxiety will make you make oh, rash right. decisions exactly. and if you're relaxed in that moment you can make you know better decisions which mm-hmm. in, in essentially leads to your survival in yeah. that scenario so yeah for sure yeah. i think the bad part would be like when we come home for right sure. especially those eod you know shout out to those eod guys out there man like put that their your your sole job is to to put yourself in danger right. like for even at special forces like my sole job is to train teach right. like 90 percent of the things i did was going to estonia denmark yeah. norway i wasn't putting myself in danger there right. but if you're an eod tech like yeah. that your job is to put yourself in danger so sure. that that's where i think that bad part of it comes in is especially as guys that did it for 20 years is man it's hard to shut that off right yeah. it's it's hard to it's hard to well definitely it, it is an adrenaline rush right you, then you come back and you don't get that adrenaline rush anymore, yeah. and that's that's tough to not receive that. But then it's also tough to like not be your RPMs be at you know right. one hundred thousand all the time. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say like, and I've talked about this a little bit before, but but like when when you're deployed or whatever, you have very few things to actually work about, worry about, which is like Jack Steele, eat food, <laughs> be prepared to be violent when necessary. You know? When you get home, like you don't have to do any of that. But all the other stressors like start to pile up. Like, all right, is is the electric bill paid? Mm-hmm. Do I need an oil change? Is the water heater about to go out? Significantly less stress, but it, it like com- compiles, and and it's just like I think that's what's hard because it, there's just more to worry about when you're home. It's to a significantly lesser degree, but mm-hmm. it just compiles. Well, well, that's like one of the things I've I've said 
throughout on this on this podcast is is the thing about stressors and trauma and all these things that just compile and compile like you can't compare a stress from an SF guy being or an EOD guy or you know just 11 Bravo or even anybody who's deployed you can't compare that stress to each person we are prepared well essentially we we feel as if we are prepared to go to those those situations but are we prepared to come back home are we prepared to have that situation and come back home where then you have like let's say an admin guy who goes over and he was or they were like i signed up to do paperwork you know help pay for college and help support my family and now i'm getting rockets thrown at me in a combat zone so like you can't compare those things and and no matter what in life you're gonna have a stressor no matter what It's just how you deal with that, right? And and, and it's <clears throat> it's tough to admit it sometimes. It's tough to say you need help. But I think I genuinely feel like every single person that has served in the military, I don't care what branch, I don't care what job, go get a counselor for just a little bit. Hit that reset for button. Sure. Because there's, str- there's stressors with anybody. And I'll even say that about the entire civilian population. <laughs> right? like, go get a counselor. It's tools for the toolbox, people. Yeah. But but then then we have times like this. This right here is our counseling too, right? Yeah. Come in here and t- laugh and talk and Complain. and tell our stories about the craziest yeah. <laughs> craziest things in the world, man. We were on uh, we were on mission one night <laughs> in Afghanistan, and uh, I was the lead element, so I was the Bravo, so I do all the routes and everything. And we're walking, <clears throat> and uh, the helicopter didn't really hit our landing zone where we were supposed to, so I end up having to walk over that. We I end up accidentally taking the whole element which we had four elements each element was ran by two sf guys and then each element had about 20 afghans i walked everybody over a mountain <laughs> so, like like straight up shadow line on top of the mountain <laughs> like i was like sorry guys there's no way to get around this and then we're walking we all of a sudden i hear halt 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 somebody fell in a hole well they have the Karez systems in afghanistan where most of them are used for irrigation but sometimes the you know the uh, Taliban or Al Qaeda or anything they would use those for, to store for storage for traveling for for anything to hide. And I was like, well, tell them to get out of the hole. <laughs> I was like, why we stopped? And they're like, no, it's a it's a really big hole. <laughs> yeah, it was it was about thirty feet deep, <laughs> and about as wide as oh gosh, I don't know, probably three feet four feet wide. We had to put three ladders together to get this guy out. But when we first realized. They were trying to figure out how deep the hole was, so they cracked a couple chem lights because it's the middle of the night. Cracked a cu- cracked a couple chem lights and threw them down there. And you, every time they threw one down there, you hear the guy go, "Ah!" <laughs> I was like, "Stop throwing chem lights at this guy! Like this is this is not comfortable for him." And then my team sergeant was like, "Hey, someone throw him down a f- flashlight, see if you can clear the hole." And I was like, "Hey, I don't think he's in the mood to clear a, a Karez system right now. He just <laughs> fell thirty feet by himself. <laughs> it took it took the entire like." It took all the ladders we had. It took about two hours to finally get this guy out of the hole. Jeez. But you know what? He only had a small cut on his leg, and we continued the mission, and we, we nice. finished that night. Uh, a story that, that came to mind was when we were in Denmark together, and we were working with a, their home guard, their national guard, mm-hmm. and we were, <laughs> we were working with them, doing like a split-team operation, attacking this particular compound. And 
our team went around the back down through the basement and it's pitch black inside <laughs> and we actually have nods so we, we can kind of function um i think i know what story you're talking about and that was one of my horror worst tbis ever because i was on the breach that day so, so you can you can go from your perspective to that but as we as we kind of navigate through this this particular like three-story building clearing all the rooms and taking out all the bad guys and stuff like that uh, I get I get word, hey, we need a, a medic up here. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I bebop my way up to the to the top floor, and and I glance into this room where the injured injured individual was, and I was like, dude, that is like one of the largest dudes I've ever seen. All right, Chris, hold on, I do have to stop you real quick. This is a total cliffhanger. Remember this story. We'll be back for in one minute, just for a, a word for the sponsors. Colorado Computer Support. Imagine never having to worry about your information systems ever again. Colorado Computer Support, the exclusive veteran voice technology partner, meeting all of our computing needs. Colorado Computer Support is veteran-owned, and they're your team for innovative, collaborative IT services and solutions to enhance and support your Colorado business. When you need IT services to keep your business going, make sure the Colorado Computer Support team is on your team. Call 719-355-2440 to learn more. That's 719-355-2440. The Wirenut Home Services. Every season brings new strain on your home systems. Veterans Voice Partner, the Wirenut Home Services, is the company you can count on to handle your heating, cooling, and electrical needs. They're family-owned, proud to employ honest, hardworking Coloradans. When you need plumbing, heating, cooling, or electrical help, the Wirenut does that. Call 719-399-5021. That's 719-399-5021. Five zero two one. All right. So Chris was talking about as the medic walking into the largest male uh, patient. Right. So so uh, yeah, I do, I do remember the the top floor had already been the whole the whole building had been cleared of threats and and so I get to the the room around the corner and I look down on the ground. Somebody's you know quote unquote injured. This is all training event. And I was like, man, that's like one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen. And I and I saddle up next to them and open up my aid bag and start doing my my head to toe. I was like, oh, this is a chick. Oh. <laughs> and and her her injury. Oh, this this is a young lady in the in the Danish National Guard. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm like, all right. So I'm assessing her injuries. It's it's like a simple wound set. It's like a, a through and through on the thigh or something along those lines. And so I'm removing the the uniform to to apply the dressing and stuff like that. And I don't know if this is appropriate. She was wearing scantily clad uh, clothing she, underneath her uniform. She was wearing undergarments that weren't appropriate for training in the field with a bunch of SF dudes and <laughs> National Guard. All right, sweet. I churched it up a little bit. <laughs> you got several options. <laughs> you got several options there. <laughs> All right, so, so, uh, and I remember her name is Bettina, and <laughs> we. How I, do you remember that? This was a pretty pretty memorable moment. <laughs> memorable so he, he got her number, obviously. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So, I complete my medical uh, interventions. Uh, the the quote unquote wound has been patched up, and now we have to put her on a on a litter and take her out and evac her. Again, she's on the top floor, and the the stairwell in this particular compound building was like tight. And so I was like, "Dudes, I need help." <laughs> so we we get her on the litter, and we usually do like a four man carry for a litter, and we needed about six. And so we 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 hoist her up, and then we get to the to the top of the stairwell. 
and we're like, all right, dude, it's, it's going to have to be a high carry to keep her relatively yeah. level so she doesn't fall three three flights of stairs down because <laughs> then it'd be a real injury. Yeah. So we all like, <laughs> which we are always trying to prevent. Right. <laughs> so we all essentially shoulder press this young lady. And uh, she wasn't like, she wasn't like a, a, a heavy. She was just like a Viking. I mean, she was like she, a Viking. She's got Viking blood in it. Yeah. She was, yeah, a, she, wasn't, she was like, she wasn't obese. very fit. She, like, she I mean, just yeah. like of Odin's descent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, so we, we all shoulder press this young lady uh, on this stairwell and we're trying to navigate the turns that the stairwell is, is offering us. And it was just brutal. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, and, but, but we got her down safe and then we evac'd her and then, um, yeah, we had to, I had to do checks on her for the rest of the night and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was a, it was a great uh, training exercise. That, that whole, like, except I almost blew my head off, but <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 like, much ate that flashback <laughs> no that was the six foot rigid charge oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh so we're this is i'm gonna i'm gonna rewind to the right before we, we do the hit so we had a, a alpha entry and bravo entry as you know secondary contingencies and uh we're, we're walking up the building we're on our night vision it's really dark out and as we walk up there's windows and the windows are open and there's guys sitting in there with with guns there's so, like soldiers in there with guns we're like ah we got to we got to flex to to uh be edgy to bravo well on the overhead imagery we didn't realize that it was a concrete staircase that went down into the basement we just thought it was flat and level <laughs> so we had made a six foot rigid charge to do the breach well i don't know if you it, our listeners six foot rigid charge is a it's, it's a six foot piece of wood with tape on it, but in the middle of it is nothing but detonation cord. So it's a, a cord full of C4. Highly explosive, explosive, meant to be an outside charge, not meant to be used indoors. Um, and you're supposed to stand a good bit away from it. So we go up, heat of the moment, not thinking, go through, you know, finish the mission. Me and my buddy Tori uh, were the first two guys. We slap that charge on and not even thinking – and three, two, one, pull it, and all of that concussion from that explosives came straight up the stairwell, <laughs> and to the point to the point where it, it literally blew us back, and we're like, continue mission. <laughs> and I, I, I'm pretty sure I walked into the middle of the room, which, if you know anything <laughs> about close quarters battle, the worst idea you could possibly do. Uh, but we also had a. I think we each had like six flashbangs on us, <laughs> but it was also funny. I mean, there's, this is so multifaceted. Like there's so much going on. If you took your nods off in that basement, it was pitch black. Yeah. You couldn't see a thing, but they had hung IR chem lights all over the basement. So it was like almost too bright under your night vision goggles. I was like, so we see everybody. Like we walked into a room and there's a guy sitting there with a machine gun and he doesn't even know we're there. <laughs> it's that dark. He doesn't have night vision goggles on. So we threw a couple flashbangs in. <laughs> <laughs> and they were the nine, the nine bangers. So these things pop nine times. And we throw them in, they start going off, and then you chase them. But before we start chasing, we walk in, or before we start chasing, you hear the, the 240 going off, the machine gun going off, and we kind of poked our head around the corner a little bit to see it, and he's just shooting in the air. He can't see anything. <laughs> he just knows there's explosions going on, so we come up and just zip him up with the with the uh, the paint rounds, and we threw about, I think we threw about 12 flashbangs in that basement. <laughs> they did, those, the the uh, opposition force did not like us very much. 
But then at that point is when I heard, hey, I need support on the top floor. <laughs> and that's where we fast forward to the end of Chris's story. Yeah, so not only are you now concussed, but you, your shoulders are jacked up for, for taking Bettina down three flights. <laughs> yeah, I, I will tell you guys, like TBIs are real. And I, you know, I say this, go get checked out. If you're on Fort Carson, Intrepid Spirit is a phenomenal clinic that is solely for TBIs. Don't do not ignore your TBIs. Uh, there's also uh, come over to Mount Carmel. We got resources over here for for that stuff too. Uh, you got to get checked out one because that the TBIs are long lasting. Uh, you're, those you're, those are gonna stick around you for the rest of your life. Get help. Start getting help now for them. And two VA claims, guys. I, I, I mean, uh, you got to put this stuff in your VA claim because you got to be able to get treated for it for the rest of your life. But I will tell you that was that was one of my like five or six moderate to severe TBIs. <laughs> like throwing up that night, woke up in cold sweats, yeah. and you know what? I was dumb and I didn't go get help for it because we were out on on appointments essentially. And you, you go out, but it was woof. Yeah. That one was. A, I told uh, I told my VA doc during my appointment that story, and he was like, "That's really bad." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I know," yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, go get them looked at, guys. Yeah, something I found out going through Intrepid Spirit, like you were saying, because I have a couple major TBIs, but micro TBIs are accumulative. So an mm -hmm. example of that would be just shooting a rifle. Yep, yep. Um, so, like, I was asked, how many times have you shot a rifle in your career? <laughs> well, like, I'm a Green Beret, um, so hundreds of thousands. 50, and a million, 50 and a million. I don't know. I just came <laughs> up with some ridiculous number. But, yeah, those are accumulative, so I didn't really know that. But that's a rating on its own is, like, micro TBIs on my medical retirement. So. Wow. Yeah. Have you had any bad ones? Uh, Memorable? Honestly, Probably just a lot that I never really took care of being yeah. EOD, like yeah. even stateside, oh, yeah. like Fort Benning, for an example, you have basic training there. Uh, so like a lot of our calls were the hand grenades not going off. Mm -hmm. So we'd go down, walk up to the hand grenade, depending on how close it was from the pit. It could be like 10 feet, 50 feet, depending how far the private threw it. Put a block of C4 next to it without touching it. Hopefully it doesn't go off in your face. Walk back to the pit and then blow it up. But like a block of C four and a grenade from that pit, it, it's a lot. And yeah. then you just kind of get complacent to it, and yeah, then you build those bad habits. Go overseas and do that with a hundred pound IED. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our thing on that actually it was the same night that guy fell in the hole. Uh, our thing was uh, blowing up motorcycles. Oh, so yeah. that uh, so like if we went on a, a, a target and uh, that we we arrested a guy. We blew their motorcycles up so the rest of the family can't continue what he was doing. And it was just a lot of fun to blow up motorcycles. <laughs> that was we, we didn't have any like good uh, engagements that time, so that was our claim to fame is that we built, blew up like 50 motorcycles. <laughs> but one night we were out, and uh, uh, or that same night we were out, I went over to another compound, uh, knock on a door, and start tactically questioning the guy who lived there. And it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, right? And uh, they're like, hey, we got another motorcycle. We're going to blow it up. And, and this is why I thought about this because of the, the, the C4 and how much you guys use. Yeah. When you're overseas, your calculation times are a lot shorter than when you're in a schoolhouse. Sure. It's a lot more uh, approximate <laughs> than, than uh, when you're – because you're under time constraint, right? right? So you just try to keep it down. Well, I'm sitting there questioning the guy through my interpreter, and I hear you know they call out a call like, hey, five minutes, you know, three minutes, because they got a timed debt cord on it, detonation cord. And all of a sudden, boom! And all of a sudden, I just hear this, 
and about 10 feet to my left was a part of the engine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, hey, guys, uh, how much C4 did you put on that? They're like, probably too much. <laughs> how far are we supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> What's they call it? MSD, yeah. uh, minimum safe dif- distance. I was inside that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to give up any names on that one for any uh, future uh, <laughs> future investigations. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, like the, those TBIs, I mean, they, they accumulate like crazy. I mean, just in the sure. Bravo course, I was in the 18 Bravo course, you have a full day where you just go out and shoot anti-tank weapons. And, man, that night we, I slept like a baby. Yeah. Probably not in a great way. Because <laughs> you were in a coma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I had a bad airborne jump where I had dirt on top of the vel- – like on, in the Velcro on the top of my head. Oh, nice. <laughs> I got knocked out. I mean, that, man, it's it happens all the time. Yeah. It does. And you just got to make sure you take care of your body, take care of yourself, and get, get everything looked at and get it documented for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, my my first time where I, I saw it was I felt it was real mm-hmm. was actually Kuwait, which is super weird because sure. I was a chemical specialist, wasn't a combat guy, sure. National Guard, and uh, <coughs> we get on the bus right after the the airplane, and they give everybody a, a full magazine. This is 2007, and I was like, what? <laughs> like I thought we were in Kuwait. Why do we need a full magazine? They're like, well, you never know. It's like. Yep, I'm in a combat zone. <laughs> so that's what time it like that time it really sank in. Yeah. That's a it's it's a crazy time. It's a crazy. I mean, when you first show up to country, I mean, when I went to Afghanistan, we got rocketed every day we were there. But that first day, you walk in and you're just like, right. okay, how 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 common is it to happen when we're just walking around here? Like, yeah. are they gonna shoot at us? Like, so like the first few months you're there, you're just like For freaking sure. out. I remember, yeah, when we were in Afghanistan together. Um, it was like the first week we were there. I, I was in my my room in the team house, and all of a sudden the, there's this huge boom. Oh, I remember that. Stuff was falling off my my shelves, and and so I threw on the kit, ran outside, and look off in the distance. There's a, this like mushroom cloud developing, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's pretty close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and so yeah, we were, we were all getting spun up, and um, the Taliban had. had Set the V-bed. Yeah, that the, was a vehicle-borne vehicle IED. Vehicle-borne IED, but it was to the base adjacent to ours, um, and so it didn't actually hit it was our the, base. It was the Afghan police compound, right, I believe. Exactly, but it it was like it was so close. And yeah, it's like, dude, it was right there, uh, mm-hmm. and so that, that was kind of like I don't know a big wake oh up snap thing. moment. Yeah, because like. it was like, all right, are my guys okay? Mm-hmm. It was like, as a medic, and, and I've joked about this before, but we're like the field goal kickers. You know, no, yeah, nobody exactly. nobody cares about us until the game's on the line, right? Yeah. So like, like why'd you miss? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so my, my thought is like, are, are my dudes okay? You know, mm-hmm. did, did did anybody get hurt? Um, you know, fortunately, and I and I and I say this often, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate. None of my guys ever got hurt, with, with the exception of like a torn pec from benching too heavy. But <laughs> God, we had like six of those last <laughs> over right. So like, I, I I consider myself again very fortunate that. I didn't have to do my job because if I had to do my job, somebody's having a pretty bad day. Yeah, yeah, we were too. I remember that day because I, you know, through all of my deployments, I got you know two years, spent two years of my life in Afghanistan. I've been rocketed a lot. I've 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 had a lot of rockets. Been fortunate that none none of them really landed close enough to where, well, we had people injured, but nothing nothing life life threatening. But I remember when that IED went off, man. It was like I was laying in bed. I think it was like six o'clock in the morning or something and that thing went off and i was like that wasn't a rocket <laughs> i was like that wasn't a rocket i was like that was big and so yeah we all got spun up and 
Um, but we weren't allowed allowed to leave the base because we were shutting it down yeah, uh, back then. So it, it got pretty frustrating, especially for the younger guys in the team. Man, it, it, you know, that's another point I'll bring up to for the listeners of, you know, times are changing and uh, there's not a lot of like uh, that. I mean, GWAT's pretty much over for the most part for Afghanistan. I know there's still some stuff going on in the Middle East, um, but for all those guys out there that you know join special operations, join infantry, join combat arms, doesn't matter what branch. You guys still signed up to do a pretty crazy job, um, and that, that's all that that everybody asked of you. I know you get. Up, I know these guys get upset about not getting that combat and not getting that chance to go out and prove themselves. Well, you proved yourselves to everybody. You signed up. You 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 signed up to do it. You you were in the headspace to do it. So don't let that eat, eat you guys away. Like you're talking. I'm you know this is coming from you know E seven Green Beret, two E seven Green Berets. I was a chief warrant officer too. Green Beret with you know twelve years, twelve years uh, as a Green Beret, and um, be proud of what you did. Don't dwell on what you didn't do, because it it can eat you alive. I mean, you you guys have all heard Chris's story, of, you know how it got to him. Is like, is all this worth it? You learned a lot. You learned a lot from your time in, and and and, and focus on that, and it, it take advantage of what you learned, and, and apply it to to real life too, man. Because it, like I said, it can eat people up, but. We all signed the line. I don't care what you did in the military. I don't care what your job was. No one's better. Everyone's had different opportunities, different uh, different paths. But everybody out there that signed the line deserves every bit of help that Mount Carmel here, any nonprofit, uh, is, is affords to you. Like, don't think, don't anybody, don't anybody out there think you're not worth it for it because it's, you are. You signed the line. You 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 made the choice. So I think it's pretty amazing. For sure. I was going to say this earlier when you were talking about coming home from deployment, which will probably make it a little more relatable to people who maybe haven't experienced it. But if you've ever been to a concert or a music festival or just something really loud for mm -hmm. hours on end, like five hours of loud music live, and then you go home and you lay in bed and your ears are ringing, mm -hmm. you can still feel the bass a little bit. You can still like <coughs> feel like you're at the concert. It's the same thing being on a deployment for six months, nine months, or being in the army for 20 years. Now you're out or you're home and it's like someone just turned the volume off on you. And yeah. You don't really know what to do with yourself. Your yeah. body's used to reacting to these high stress scenarios uh, that is like gunshots or IEDs or rockets. And now someone turned the volume off and your next stressor is the guy at the DMV who pissed <laughs> you off, you know, mm -hmm. and you're going to react the same. And that's PTSD at its finest. So. Yeah, it's it's really tough, but there's resources for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's and yeah, as I said, I've said before, I say a lot of things. I'm, I host <laughs> the podcast. You're the host. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot, people. Um, but your our RPMs are just high. Yeah, yeah. you know, we we they just stay high. So that what what that kind of translates to is is uh, our highs and lows are just extreme. Yeah. You know, and so it's uh, it's tough to tough to combat that. So. The things that do help out with that, everybody, are, is counseling. Um, counseling, number one, go get a counselor. Um, two, if you feel like that's not happening, there's there's different different levels of care. I, I see a, a doctor here in town. Um, I hope she doesn't mind me plugging her. I'm sure she doesn't. Uh, Dr. Blair Cano. Um, but she does uh, she's uh, she does neuropathic neuropath psychology, and, and she hooks up. Uh, actual like almost like electrodes to your brain. She can actually read your brain waves sure. while she's going through a counseling session with you, uh, which is cool because you know if you're something that's triggering you, she knows. 
if you're not being completely honest or avoiding something, she knows. So go out there and search that out, the neuropath psychology. Um, it's it's a it's a great resource. But then you can even go higher than that. There's there's a clinic or there's a clinic here in town. There's clinics up in Denver that have what they call TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, ketamine. Um, all USF guys out there, please get a hold of me at the Special Forces Foundation and Mount Carmel here for all these different avenues to go down to get get yourself in a better place. Because th- what these what these service centers are for here. What Mount Carmel is here for is, is, is just to make you a better family person, you know, a, a better husband, better wife, better son, daughter, father, mother. That's our goal is, is just to get you back to good. But we're going to wrap it up here, guys. I uh, really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys connected with something with this podcast today. I know we had a lot of fun telling stories. Uh, just count on these every, every once in a while, just us coming in here and talking. If you guys have a story you want to write to us or if you possibly want to even c- come in and, and, and share your story online, you can email uh, Angie Baker or I at anbaker at mountcarmelcenter.org or email me at pwatson at mountcarmelcenter.org. Uh, like I said, if you've served or currently serve, we'd love to hear your ideas on topics, love to hear your stories, love to hear about your life, any branch, any job, anything. That's what we're here for. Thanks for listening. Yeah, send us all your Gatorade bottle stories. <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center and originates from the Optum Podcast Studio located on the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center campus in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The podcast channel is provided by Medicare Mentors. Computing Power is provided by Technology Partner Colorado Computer Support. Additional funding is provided by Supporting Partner The Wire Nut Home Services. Veterans Voice airs on flagship station KRDO News Radio Sundays at 7.30 a.m. The podcast publishes Saturday at 8 a.m. and is available on all your favorite podcast apps. American Corporate Partners helps veterans, transitioning service members, and military spouses find their next careers by connecting them for free with America's top companies. Learn more at acp-usa.org. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans, you can improve your ability to find jobs with your free year of LinkedIn Premium. Sign up at socialimpact.linkedin.com.